I want to say the contrast of wisdom and folly, but Solomon chapter five to the beginning of chapter six talks about a troubling dream that the bride has. But in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter seven, verse nine, it tells us not to be so quick to become angry because anger lodges or become stuck within your heart and when this happens you have you you develop what is called a heart of a fool now if we break that down even further let me go to my notes break that down even further is basically the saying you know anybody can have a plan to do something or a will to do something but that plan without wisdom you know you'll fall into folly and this is where the unfinished goals and things come from because being too quick to jump on in a situation or be quick to being quick to you know become angry only brings in trouble so the dream that this bride had was one of her her um I want to say spouse her spouse you know not being there so verse two says one night I was sleeping my heart awakened in a dream and I'm reading the tree of light version my heart awakened in a dream and I heard the voice of my beloved he was knocking at my bedroom door open to me my darling my lover my lovely dove for I have been out in the night and I am covered with dew. So this was a dream that she had that was troubling to her because it was like, you know, where are you? You know, there may be some people who have this dream and who are wanting or longing for that that um that marriage union. But the longer it takes, it's like it'll it'll slowly fade. You know, you don't have the what you had in the beginning when you decided that you wanted this. So a dream could trouble a woman who's wanted this for so long and to, to have this dream and to be like, well, he's not there. He's not here. But um, the scripture lets us know and it teaches us that we can be havens for each other. We can be that refuge for or that sanctuary for our spouse and that we don't have to allow conflicts and pressures to come in and cause us to lose the love and the excitement that we have for one another. The world is not a safe place for lovers. Um, The world is just not a safe place for lovers. Um, stress comes to work against you and to work against your union and to work against the things that you are building upon. That's what it, you know, I had a situation recently where I was, um, shared some information that was kind of disturbing and bothersome for me being a married woman and for someone on the outside to say, Hey, this here's an option. And it's not the first time that it's happened. Um, so I have to take time to, know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I'm not doing it for the world. Um, I have to build on the strength within the commitment that I decided 
to make and focus on what's positive and focus on the reconciliation and focus on the renewal because all of these things are important. The What happened that caused the trouble, what caused you to get angry or what, you know, where you decided to be move quickly, those, those aren't the important. The importance is focusing on the positive and focus on the renewals and the results that can come out of these things. So, you know, in a in a healthy marriage, because that's my focus. And we're t- again, we're talking about King Solomon and his bride. So in a healthy marriage, lovers are also friends. So one thing I like to build upon is that friendship to know, like I didn't know how important it was to have a friendship first until I was actually married, until I was married. You know, because friendships can be strong and th- this, but once you're married and you hit some of these troubles, it's like, ooh, that is my friend. You know, that that is my friend. So a lot of times people are or or choose to go into marriage with all the excitement and with all the feelings and you know, all of this amazing this amazing spark, and they don't take the time to develop a friendship. And I don't think friendships are like, oh, hey, we want to get married one day, but let's be friends first. Because with my experience, that's not how it was. But during during the courtship process, for me, that is important because it develops a friendship. Um, courtship versus dating is a subject that you can look into. But the courtship process allows a friendship to be developed because sex is not a part of the courtship process at all whatsoever. At all whatsoever. Because the courtship is not about having fun. The courtship is about becoming accustomed. Becoming accustomed. But this is not a this is not me talking about courtship. I could do that at another time. But this right here, developing that friendship, um, and that includes listening, sharing. You know, showing up, expressing and practicing understanding um, for what that person likes and what that person does not like, you know, and as as well as for yourself. And that takes time. This is why the courtship process, I don't I don't think people understand courtship. Um, This is not a six month thing. This is not a three month thing. This, you know, courtship is it takes time. Friendship takes time, of course, Um, but it makes a relationship where you have romance that much more deeper and that much more satisfying. I believe if it was not for my friendship to my husband, oh, I don't think we would have made it through as we did. Like we I feel like we made it, but it was like, oh, but if it was just a little bit different or I feel like if the friendship was not there, we didn't have anything to go back to. We like we went back deep and dug really far um and wide but this right here because of that 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 deepness and that connection and and you know all of the things that came about you know even the bible says a good name is better than precious oils um, and the day of death than the day of birth because where you are like I said is focusing on the results of the renewal it's focusing on reconciliation it's focusing on the positives 
instead of going and saying, oh, this is wrong. And let's just let's just let this be wrong. No. It is better to go in the house of into the house of mourning than go into a house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. That's Ecclesiastes 7 and 2. Think about that. Think about what that is saying. Think about what that is saying. It, it seems to contradict what Solomon, um, Solomon's advice uh, about eating and drinking and being merry to, to in, you know, is over enjoying what God has given us. But we have to know that we are to enjoy what we have while we can. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, but we got to also know that life stress, social um, things, adversity, those things come in. So what adversity does is remind us that, hey, your life is a vapor. I like to I like that scripture about life being a vapor, but life is short and it teaches us to live wisely. What this is saying is teaching us to live wisely. This is what that's verse two in Ecclesiastes chapter seven is saying it's teaching you to live wisely and refine your character. That's what's important. Refining the character, renewing and reconciling. Um, a lot of, um, well, I know Judaism and Christianity, both of these religions see the value in sorrow and the value in suffering. So, ah, it was a TV show that I recently watched and there was something said where, you know, a woman, uh, what shows you who a woman is, is the suffering. I think, you know, I don't, I can't remember, but I, I got to go back to because I, I, I caught that and I liked it. But, you know, religion, some Eastern religions, I would like to say, they want to escape that. They want to try to avoid the suffering and avoid, you know, going, you know, dealing with adversity, but adversity is, is refining. Adversity is the fire forged in fire. That, that is adversity. Um, yeah, it's like you can learn more in about your relationship with God during those times. During those difficult times, the happy times, of course, I'm not going to say you don't think about God, but the happy times, it's like, oh, yes, you know, we're going to thank God. But it's like in those hard times, how many people really look outside of the blame of God for what is going on? You, you, Especially when a person is reaching out for help and they're not recognizing the help. So it's like, oh, forget this. So. You have to ask yourself, do, do, are, you a, are you avoiding these things at, at any cost? Because I can find myself saying, oh, I just don't want to go through that. Like, whatever I have to do to not go through that, that's what I'm going to do. But then I realize, you know what? If it comes, God has allowed me to manage and go through it and, and, and even deal with the emotions of it, whether that's in marriage or just life in general. Um, so, those, so, so those are great opportunities. To learn from God, directly from God. Great opportunities. So this is not about people avoiding the thought of death or refusing to, you know, face death and or just being reluctant to go to people's funerals. This is, you know, 
And it's not even trying to get you to be be morbid, you know, but it's helpful to think about it because, you know, it's a part of everybody's life. It's a part of every situation. There's an expiration date on everything of this earth, everything of this earth. So this is a time that it reminds us that we still have time to change, because if you're not dead, you're alive and you still have time to make amends. You still have time to reconcile, even through the troubles. You still have times for new results, better results. You still have the time for that. You have the time to examine the direction you're going in. You have the time to change the direction. You have the time to confess your sins and your faults and, and ask for forgiveness and even extend forgiveness. You have the time for that because everybody's going to die. So can you um, plan ahead to experience God's mercy rather than his justice? Can you? That's the question. Or maybe it's, a, it's, 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 it's an unction to tell you plan ahead so that you can experience the mercy of God instead of his justice. Because we're all going to have our day and our time. But um, in this part here, it talks to us and tells us that this couple's marriage grew and this couple's marriage matured even in the midst of their problems. And I learned that midst does not in the midst does not always mean in the middle of problems don't have to be within your marriage. Problems can be on the uh, hovering above <laughs> to the side, you know, down below, but in the midst of those problems, because within the middle should be you two and God, like God is, is there between the two of you. But in the midst of problems, their marriage grew, their marriage matured. And even as the time passed after their ceremony, after the wedding, the bride felt that there was, you know, some indifference that had come in within their relationship. So this is where the troubles come. And so she had become kind of I, now people would call it cold shoulder, but she had gotten like a, this little cold shoulder towards her, her spouse. Mm. And by the time she was like, you know what, mm, let me stop this. And she kind of went towards him. He had, she, she saw that he had long, he had gone. So her self-centeredness and her impatience, even though it was, it was short lived. That's the thing. You have time. Take the time. Take the opportunity right now. Because even if it's an hour, sometimes people don't want to wait around for that hour. But even with her being impatient, it caused a separation of her and her spouse. But one thing she did do in verse eight of chapter five in Solomon. Let me go to verse eight. Verse eight. Um, I adjure you, O women of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, tell him I am sick with love. That's what verse eight reads. Let me try to see if I can find another version. I'm going to try to read the 
King James Version. I don't feel like getting them get the Bible. But anyways, but what she was saying is, I'm finna fix what I messed up. Like I'm finna correct my my mistakes. Like I said, you have the opportunity as long as you are alive right now, as long as you are present, you have the opportunity for renewal, for reconciliation. So she moved to correct her problem, her trouble by looking for her husband. She went to search out her husband. In here, it says, I drew you a woman of Jerusalem. If you find, if you see him, let him know I'm looking for him. Let him know I'm sorry. I'm apologetic. I love him. I need him. I want him to come. You know, she couldn't go directly to where he was. So she was like, hey, I'm recruiting. Hey, if you see him, tell him, let him know this. And so one one at one night she was out by herself, you know, uh, versus and talking about that. Of course, she was out by herself looking for him and she saw. Um, something something hit her like it was a pain that she never felt. Being separated from her lover. So this is like, you know, this wasn't their situation. But let's say you've been in a relationship before. And you know, you went through, you went through. They left. It probably didn't hit you. But this one time with this one person, this one person left you, it hit different. As they say. She felt a different kind of, ooh, wait a minute. What is that? What is that? And that's what drew her. That's what drew her being separate from him. Being separated from her spouse, knowing that, okay, I did this. I have to get back to him. And I have to make this right. So. I say the the contrast of wisdom and folly is knowing that you have the time right now. Instead of falling into this place of folly, why not grab hold to wisdom and understand that even in the midst of these people saying this to the side, because they ain't, they ain't in front of you. They're not face to face on a daily telling you this. They're going to insert it here and there if you allow it. One thing I had to do today. Was I have, I have nobody on my block list, but today, and I sat there and I th- contemplated a few minutes before I hit that, and I was like, should I do this? And I probably should not have hesitated, but I did because I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. But if anything will try to take you off of your focus of better results, reconciliation. All the positivity that you have in front of you. There's something that's going to come in. And the cl- sometimes the closest things to you is the easiest. So I decided to go ahead and block that person. It's not somebody I don't know. It's not somebody that I, you know, this is somebody I know pretty well. But I don't, I can't afford the op- to miss my opportunity to know that there's positivity. I can get myself together. I can move forward. I don't have to stay stuck in the same old grudges and the same old situations. I can have better results. And that's what I decided. I decided to hold on to wisdom and to understand that I can't tell you what to do, but I can manage what comes into me. I can manage what I respond to. I can manage the things that I look at. And I decided to focus on the positive.
So, uh, yeah, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 4 reads, The heart of the wise is in the house of the morning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. Some relationships you will have to let go of. That is being in mourning or having grief. It's not just for, because that's, that is sort of like a death. Those relationships have to be transformed. And I know that the transforming energy comes from God. So I say, God, you take this. I'm not able to manage this connection here. And I'm going to focus on the connections that you have in front of me too, that are positive, that I can manage myself in. A person can't argue with themselves. A person can't down talk, um, you know, about somebody else to them. So they like, they want other people to know. They want to tell you. They, if they don't tell you, they want other people to know. They want to go to other people and say, oh, you know, that person is this, this, that. And this person is this, this, that. I don't need to hear it. I don't need to hear it at all. There was a situation and I saw somebody that I knew this person don't like me. So why they took it upon themselves? They took it upon themselves to make sure they come to me. Don't like me now. But they came to me telling me about somebody else that I guess don't like me. It was like, oh, hey, Angel, did you see what so-and-so said about you on Facebook? And I'm like, no, I didn't see it. You sure? Everybody saw it. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, well, this is what they said. And I'm like, and thinking to myself, is it that important for you? <laughs> is it that important for you to make a point? I'm telling you, I did not see anything. So whatever this person says, okay, that's that's them. Obviously, it was not said to me. This is what I feel like it, if it's not said, if you have something to say to me, you can say it to me. I'm not the type of person that you can't come talk to. But if a person is saying something about me to anybody else or just anywhere else that I'm pretty sure they know I can't see because we're not connected. Who else are you talking to? You want to degrade and down talk, but you want somebody else to hear it. Because you don't believe it yourself. What I know for a fact, I know for a fact. I don't have to go to anybody else and say, this person is that way. This person does that. Because you know what? Everybody else see it too. Whether they acknowledge it or not. But it's my part to pray about it. It's my part to have an understanding. Or it's my part to do my part. (laughs) So whatever God says, if I need to get in and try to help it, fix it, work it out, that's what I'm going to do. But most of the times, it's just it's just for me to know and to have and to share an understanding and to pray. Because I do a lot of praying. God says, don't pray about this. Uh, what did I just say? Ecclesiastes 7 and 9. Excuse me. Do not be quick in your spirit to become angry. I'm not saying I do that. I I do this all the time because I sometimes I get angry. I just be getting. But the word says, don't be quick to be angry. That's why I'm quick to go to God in prayer. Because I I know how to get quick. I know how to get angry really quick, but I'm quick to go to God in prayer. And say, God, mm." even if I don't know what to say, God, I, I can't deal with this. That's what I'll say right there. That'll be my prayer. Mm-mm, can't deal with this. 
But I know his word also said he won't put more on us than we can bear. So if I'm bearing it, it's enough. Because what I can't bear, I don't have to be exposed to. Oh, but yes, yeah, so we're talking about Solomon here. And we're talking about, you know, when Solomon and his bride had a little tiff. And he was like, okay, you want to act like this? Cool. I'm going to go. But they grew through that. They matured. Their their marriage grew through that. Let me put it that way. Their marriage grew through that. Their marriage matured through that. Because we have time. We have the time to take hold to wisdom. And to understand. That on the other side of trouble is beauty. So until next time. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay healing.